this is episode three of season three of Going Beyond Salvation, and this is your host, Jess Robinson. And today we're really not going to take a break uh, as we go through this. I think we're going to really kind of sum this up because um, you know, chapters five and, and six of De- Deuteronomy and then even Proverbs chapter seven tie together. And then we get into the story of of John the Baptist and it just all connected based on what I was reading. And, you know, as I've always been taught with the book of Deuteronomy is the book of Deuteronomy is the heart of God. It's, you know, his heart speaking to us. You know, we kind of look at these books in the Old Testament and we think, you know, it's just a bunch of rules being laid out. And as we see in chapter five, that, that, you know, you kind of think, oh my gosh, they're rehashing the 10 commandments again, but we go from the 10 commandments and, you know, we go from the 10 commandments and we go into chapter six and it says, love the Lord, your God. And it just sums up, you know, as, as we learn from Jesus later on, you know, the greatest commandment is, is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your, with your strength or your mind. And then, you know, secondly, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, this is summing up these commandments of loving the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength. That was what the Lord wanted. And when you love the Lord your God, you know, with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, you are going to obey these commandments. You know, it's it's obeying them out of love. It's The law is performed out of your heart. When, you know, we don't do it for salvation purpose. We do it for for you you know, for the Lord and, you know, out of our love for him. And, you know, he was telling them to, to impress these commandments, you know, to put them upon their hearts. And, and actually verses four through nine of Deuteronomy chapter six, actually there's what's called the mezuzah. And you'll see it in, in some of the Jewish tradition and some Christians will actually do it as well. Uh, it's a little piece of paper, and it's actually Deuteronomy chapter or chapter six, verses four through nine, is written on this little piece of paper and is rolled up and put in this vial, and it'll actually be put up on the door of the home. And and when you know some of the Jewish tradition is when you go into the home. They pray that prayer because it's a reminder of, of God's commandments in their heart. And he just wanted them to, you know, follow the Lord their, with all their heart and impress it upon them and then to pass, them, pass it on to the next generation. And it's the same way. With us, you know, as believers, that we're to put the word of God upon our hearts. When we're studying our Bible, we're allowing the word of God and his commandments to be upon our heart. When we love him, you know, as we love him and are in a relationship with him, 
you know, it's just like a relationship, you know, a physical relationship with somebody, you know, my husband, you know, keeps the toilet seat down because he loves me. I don't ever have to tell him to do that, you know, because he loves me and because he loves me, he doesn't want to, you know, talk with any other woman because he loves me, you know, and, and seek infection from another woman because he loves me with all of his heart. And it's the same way with me. You know, I love my husband so much that I, I don't want, you know, companionship with another man. You know, I don't lust after other men because I love, you know, my husband. And it's the same way when you love the Lord with all your heart, you know, it's, it's the same way you, you'll not, you know, you'll, you'll do your hardest to not commit sin because, you know, it's, an act of obedience out of love, not out of religion. And that's what he was seeking after is the heart of the people, their hearts to be turned towards him. And, and yes, all these sacrifices, they were temporary because there was something greater coming, which, which was Jesus and Jesus has come and he he went to the cross and, and died for our sins and rose from the grave three days later. And because of that, he's the ultimate sacrifice. It's finished. It's done. We don't have to sacrifice bulls and lambs and, and pigeons. And we don't have to sacrifice those anymore. It's no more because the, Jesus paid the ultimate price, you know, for our redemption. We are redeemed. And that's just something we can rejoice in. And we see this, this same concept coming into, into Proverbs chapter 7 as well. You know, it's in Proverbs chapter 7 where, you know, he, you know, the writer of Proverbs, which is Solomon, is, you know, telling his son, you know, to keep the words. And it's, it's the voice of God, you know. Solomon was inspired, you know, I think, and I believe, you know, because if it's in here, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he's sitting there telling, it's the voice of God speaking to us to keep his words and store up the commandments within us, to keep his commands and, and we will live. And it's, it's Deuteronomy. It's the heart of God speaking again, you know. In, in Proverbs chapter 7, you know, guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. You know, I just love that. The apple of your eye, you know, and we are the, the apple of God's eye. You know, he loves us. I mean, look to look at the great lengths he went, you know, for our redemption. And that just speaks a lot. And so you know, we should look to him as the apple of our eye, you know, the center in our relationship and everything that we do, you know, that we shouldn't have any other idols, you know, as, as, you know, the Lord was warning the, the Israelites, don't let anything come before me, you know, and, and that's what he's saying here is don't let anything come before me. You know, and he's even saying, bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart, you know, and it, 
and here in, in chapter seven, you know, and there's a lot of imagery, especially when we get into the prophets, you know, where God compares Israel as, as a man with his wife and his wife being, you know, an adulteress, you know, there's, you know, one of my favorite prophet, you know, prophets is, you know, Hosea and, and just the imagery be, behind that story. And I'm not going to go into it, you know, because I don't want to ruin it for you, but you know, we get here and, and he's once again, warning about sexual sins that are committed you know, in the name of love, you know, we see this woman that, you know, comes and seduces this man, this imagery. And that's just how, you know, the enemy likes to be in a way, you know, there are, there are men and women that struggle with sexual sin. You know, it's, you know, each person's different. You know, it's not always sexual sin. For some, it's alcohol. For some, it's drugs. For some, it's, you know, lying. For some, you know, it it's fear, you know. Each person struggles differently. You know, for some, it's gambling. You know, for some, it's astrology and and all of that, you know. There are, each person has their own different struggles. Now, there are some that can relate, you know, and he, he, here in this, you know, context is, it's sexual sin, you know, that he brings about because, you know, in a way, when we do put an idol before us, it's like, you know, you are committing adultery, you know, you're putting something else before the Lord, and, you know, Proverbs really talks about sexuals and we also need to take, you know, the sexuals and warnings in our life, you know, and a lot of people, when they see adultery, they think, oh, that, you know, the person fell in love with somebody else. And I just want to say, I really don't think it's love. I think it's lust because of the hormones that are happening you know, as I have researched, you know, because of, you know, kind of going more into youth group, you know, we get the questions of, well, what, when is it appropriate to date for a, you know, for a teenager? And my, my opinion really is, is that, you know, teenagers, you don't want to deny them that ability to date, but at the same time, you have to be careful that, their hormones don't get out of control because there's this attraction, this, you know, funny feeling that you're getting when you're first in love and, and there's these, uh, you know, physical attractions that are, are going crazy. And I, I honest, honestly believe, you know, that, that teenagers, yes, they can date, but at the same time, I really feel like they should also court you know, or do like double dates and stuff like that and, and let the relationship build that way, you know, and I do love when, when I do see kids in my youth group, you kind of see there's a spark going and, you know, they really haven't gone, you know, they, they've hung out with each other with other 
groups of kids and they they let that relationship develop over time you know it's just like our relationship with the Lord it develops over time and you just see that some of these relationships that end up happening they get married they end up having a really strong foundation because they've grown in the Lord together through youth group and 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 you know, focused on the Lord and put the Lord in the center of their lives, that it does build a foundation in their relationship. But, you know, going back to Proverbs 7, you know, you have to be careful with with sexual sins because you think that you're in love, but it's not, it's not love, it's lust. It's, you know, your, your hormones going crazy, hormones and testosterone going crazy, you know, and you know, especially for those who struggle with pornography, you know, as I've done the research, you know, pornography, it's more lust, you know, a person, you know, can love their spouse, but struggle with pornography, they could love their spouse and struggle with pornography. And it's because it's lust, they're lusting, even though they still love their, their spouse, but what's hard is yes, the spouse sees it as adultery they see it as as hurt and pain and you know when you're in that situation you have to pray for that person constantly yes you have to put boundaries down but at the same time you have to still love the person as God loves us unconditionally and and pray for them and you know, because a lot of it, it's, it's the mind. It's, it's like an addiction, you know, to meth and, and crack, you know, the brain is changed as well. And, and a person that struggles with pornography struggles with lust and they have to, you know, surrender their mind essentially to the Lord and let the Lord retrain their mind, you know, just like, you know, as I've learned about people who have addiction to drugs, you know, most, most treatment centers are six months, but really that, that hasn't really started the healing process for the brain. And a lot of addicts actually relapse because they're, they're sent out and they're not really ready. They're not really ready. It actually takes about a year for that brain, you know, to have some kind of healing where they do have some kind of, you know, strength to, to resist temptation when it, when it does come. And they have the, the coping skills to not relapse, <laughs> Because they've actually developed that. It's a process. Now, does it say that, you know, does it mean that God can't instantly heal somebody who's an addict? No, he can. You know, I've seen people who were addicts and they were just, they were so radically changed by the Lord. They were changed. And they were so radically changed that, you know, they didn't have that addiction anymore but you know it's when it comes to sexual sins it's it's just like an addiction you know I've kind of been going off on a bunny trail but 
you know, when we go back into this with sexual sins, you know, there's disastrous results. And, you know, as we've talked about, you know, sexual sins can be avoided. You know, it's learning to avoid how you act with the opposite sex. It's, you know, but first and foremost, you know, being fully committed, you know, to all that God says is right and good, you know, and having this heart and really focusing on the Lord. And now it's not saying that there are men and women who love the Lord with all their heart and they've, they, they do struggle with sexual sin. There are, you know, some people that have come out with that, that they were, on fire for the Lord, but there was this one thing they struggled with. And, and a lot of them, it's actually, you know, how they have found freedom from that was they had to pray, you know, they were praying to the Lord, you know, change my heart to be like yours. And that was when conviction started to hit them, really hit them about what they were doing. You know, they were starting to see the negative effects, you know, with sexual sins. And they were able to repent. They were able to walk away and find freedom from that. And it's, it's having a heart that, that seeks to, to be, you know, like, like God, you know, letting him transform our hearts to be like his, because when it's like his, our heart is going to break, you know, for for what he doesn't like, you know, we're, we're not, you know, we're going to be repulsed by the things that he does not like that, that he doesn't approve of as having that same heart. And, and even looking at our spouses through the eyes of the Lord. And because there's compassion there that begins to deform an unconditional love it takes your your relationship with your spouse even deeper. You know, secondly, you know, not allowing our thoughts to dwell on lust, lustful pleasures. You know, learning to have a mind that's surrendered, you know, to to the Lord. And and allowing him to to change us. You know, it's it's like you know, and I, I taught the kids this with the armor of God, when the, with the helmet of salvation. You know, when you put on that helmet of salvation, you know, you have to renew your mind. And renewing is, you know, the same thing as restoration. Restoration, you know, when you restore, you know, for example, you restore a home. You buy a home that, you know, it needs changes. You just don't, you know, take a paintbrush and and repaint the walls when really you need to tear down the walls and put new foundation. You know, you have to dig deep and deep and deep. There has to be a total restoration or you just don't, you know, add new furniture and just ignore the rest of the the shambles that's, you know, on the walls and, and on the carpet. You know, you have to you know, tear out the whole house and change it, you know, and that's just the way with our minds. We have to allow our minds to, to be restored and, and have a restoration, a renewal. 
And it's asking God, essentially, as I've said, to allow our thoughts to become his thoughts, you know? So, you know, and he, he, he talks about, you know, the sexual sin and, you know, finally with sexual sins, you know, knowing that they lead to sorrow, regret, and death. It's just the same way when we don't allow our lives to love the Lord. We're going to allow idols to come into our lives and we're, it's going to lead to disastrous results when we set the Lord aside in our lives. You know, and we're going to see that with the Israelites, that they thought they, they just had this free ride once they got the promised land. They started falling into sin. They, they, you know, for, for so, you know, forsook the Lord. They forsook his commandments you know, their hearts were turned away from him, but they still thought, you know, well, we've got this promised land, it's ours, you know, and, and they thought, uh, they could do whatever they want and still keep the promised land. And the Lord taught them a lesson and said, no, these are conditional <laughs> This was conditional based on your obedience and your heart towards me. And they learn a harsh lesson. And, and when they do come back from, from the Babylonian captivity, when they're allowed to come back during the reign of Cyrus, you know, we see that their hearts have changed, that they don't want to, to commit idolatry. They don't want to forsake the Lord ever again. But... You know, for me, it, you know, as I'm reading this and, you know, as we continue on and I, I'm going to jump into Luke, you know, we, we get into this, this, the story of John the Baptist. And as we've talked about, John the Baptist was bringing a baptism of repentance. Now, baptism had been around with the Jewish people. It was it was generally baptism happened when, you know, somebody who was not Jewish wanted to become, you know, Jewish and they would be baptized. Now, this was a baptized repentance. He was starting to get into the heart of the people. It was about getting to the heart, going back. And, and repenting, an and, and act of repentance for sins that they had committed. And he was, it was like a revival that was starting to happen. And because imagine this, you know, it's been 400 years, over 400 years. And all of a sudden this man who, who's dressed up as a prophet that they've always known, you know, that there was, you know, they had heard before how a prophet was supposed to look like based on what they they read in their scrolls you know how Elijah looked and this man comes out of the desert looking like this and he starts you know speaking from the Lord's heart it was causing a revival and and he was bringing them back you know to loving the Lord their God you know and and letting those commands come back into their heart you know, by putting the Lord first, you know, and, and we see that 
he's he's talking to several people, you know, about you know, with tax collectors and and soldiers, you know, how they are to act. And, you know, I think we're in such a time like this because, you know, the Israelites, their hearts at that point, it wasn't so much idolatry. They were in a religious spirit and their thing was, it wasn't from the heart. They were doing lip service and obedience, but their heart was not there. Their heart was not there with the Lord. And we see John the Baptist coming in and there's this revival, a change in people's hearts. And that's, you know, essentially how the Lord is with us. It's not just religion. You know, it's it's a transformation, you know, from our our old life to to this new life through through Jesus. You know, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the old life is gone, the new is there. But we can't allow our ourselves to make our our life, you know, religious. You know, we we read the word because we have a desire to know the Lord more. This isn't just something that we check off of our list saying, oh, I did my daily reading for day, for today. No, that's not, that's so far from the point. You know, it's about, you know, for me, when I get into to the Bible, it's about, you know, God, I want my heart to change. I want my heart to be like yours. I want to know your word. And apply it to my life, you know, and, and that's just how it is with us, you know, and that's what we should be like is having this heart to allow Jesus to change us more and more each day. You know, the old is gone, but we're also still going through this process of restoration and, you know, we're going you know, as I've talked about, you know, it's called sanctification. You know, it happens right at salvation, but it's also, it, it's progressive. You know, it's progressive. It'll, it'll continue on. We won't re- reach to that perfection until the Lord calls us home. You know, when when we pass away and, and go on to heaven or when Jesus comes back, you know, we won't reach that perfection perfection here but you know it doesn't give us the the right to say well I'm never going to be perfect and I'll just continue to do my life and and treat it as fire insurance you know this you know today I've I've been teary-eyed because a person that was a, a really good friend of my mother's um he had gone to school with with my mom he died you know unexpectedly from heart attack and he had gone to our church for some time he was allowing Jesus to change his life and he struggled he struggled he had struggles with addiction and you know he he fell off the wagon and went his own ways and it was hard because you know, towards the end of this, this person's life, I was seeing them on, on 
the police report, you know, being passed out and the cops having to find them. And, and when I heard this person had passed away, my heart was, was, you know, hurting because for me, it was like, I really hope their heart was, was right with the Lord before they died. You know, I hope they didn't just forsake everything. You know, they knew the way to salvation. But for me, it was, did they find their, you know, did they, did they get right with the Lord again? And, and so, you know, for me, it's, it's, I take it serious, you know, when I, I see people that are struggling in their salvation, in their walk, because yes, they, there is going to be struggles along the way. And these struggles end up turning into, well, I'm just going to walk away from the Lord and do my own thing. And I, I say, no, you know, you've got, you got to forsake this old life that you were in. It's, it's done, you know, embrace what Jesus did on the cross for you. So, you know, essentially just, you know, what I want people to go away with today is, you know, our, our relationship with the Lord shouldn't be based off of works. It should be based off of our hearts. You know, we see these commandments and the law and it should just be falling from our hearts naturally because of the love that we have for Jesus. And it's not easy. You know, there are things that the Lord is still working in my life, you know. And, you know, I thank the Lord that he's patient because, yes, I'm I'm human. And but what's so great is, you know, I have the Lord in such a desire to to please him and and to know him that when I do you know, miss the mark, essentially, you know, when I do sin, the Lord is so good and gracious to me that he just speaks to my heart, you know, like a couple of months ago, right right after Thanksgiving, you know, I really didn't respond to a text the way I should have, you know, I, I was angry, it was, it was hard, you know, I, I got very defensive and I just blew at the wrong person. And, you know, I just did not have peace all Thanksgiving weekend and I was not happy about it. My husband was not happy about it. And then, you know, that Sunday, you know, our past, the pastor's wife, she spoke and when the message she spoke about, it was like the Lord really, you know, he gently nudged me and said, you know, you could have reacted better. And he said, I want you to send a text to this person this afternoon and say, I'm sorry. And I did. And, you know, the Lord worked in that situation. The person was so grateful for for how I was thinking and that I had humbled my heart and just said, you know what? I was not right. You know, I should have reacted better. And 
you know, I'm going to try to react better the next time. And, you know, they were very forgiving. They were very gracious and very encouraging, you know. And it's not always that way. There are people that are going to snub it in your face. But, you know, generally when the Lord's hand is on it, it, it does work out. And so I just want to encourage you to, you know, if you feel like that it's just been religious, how you've been, how you've been living, I just, you know, I just challenge you to just sit down before the Lord and, and just ask him to come and change your heart. And, you know, if you have to walk away from some things for a while, just so that you can find your love for Jesus again, do it. You know, if you have to step down away from some ministry opportunities or, you know, you just have to walk away from some activities that you know that is causing you to to throw this religious spirit out, do it. You know, it might be that you're burnt out and you need some time to rest and be still before the Lord and find that the reason why that you love Jesus and why you love doing all these different ministries. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think, you know, in this, in the time of this recording, you know, we're, we're dealing with COVID-19 and I was writing a message to the youth group because we're doing this newsletter and I was writing a message to the youth group and, um, I just wrote, you know, from my heart and, and the Lord really, this time of rest, because, you know, I was doing one thing after another and it, the Lord was really speaking to my heart about how much I really love these kids. And, you know, and I was able to convey in that message that no matter what we're going through, God's love doesn't change. And so, and that's a, essentially, you know, God's love doesn't change, you know, and so get your heart set right on the Lord. And if you're struggling, you've been going up and down in your, your relationship with the Lord, you know, it's time to win some battles. You know, it's time to win some battles. Get in the word, pray the word, know what his word says when you're struggling with temptation, know what his word says when, you know, when, when you've fallen down, you know, get into this word and let it become a part of you. You know, and, and whatever you may be struggling with. And you know what's so great these days is we have what's called Google. And you can sit there and go say, what does the Bible say about, you know, depression? And there's websites that have like, you know, people have looked through the Bible and said, oh, there's these verses. You know, that's just what's so great about today, you know. But even then, you can even, most study Bibles have a concordance and you can sit there and and find verses that say hope in there. And it'll list all these different verses that have hope, the word hope in it, you know. So, you know, just get your heart right with Jesus and let it just be a heart that that loves him and, and wants to be like him, you know, and, and when you have a heart like that, you're, you're going to be pouring out these commandments 
in your life. And, and, and just get into a heart of revival. My prayer is that during this time with COVID-19, that people's hearts would begin to turn back to the Lord. And I think there's a lot of people that are. There's a lot of people that are turning back to the Lord. And so just keep doing that. Keep doing that. And that, you know, 30, 36 minutes later, you know, I'm pretty much finishing up. And yes, I, I just decided not to do a break because everything was tied in together about, you know, let the Lord's word just become a part of your heart, you know, and, and it's true, you know, let get into this Bible every day and, and let the word of the Lord just become a part. Even if you don't understand just say, you know what, Lord, I don't understand. Reveal to me, you know, in your perfect timing. He will do that. So, so that's essentially it for episode three. Um, for the next episode, we're going to do quite a few chapters in the book of Deuteronomy. And it's, so we're going to chart, start with chapter seven, verse one, and go through chapter nine, verse 29. So that's you know, essentially three chapters that we're doing. We're going to talk about Psalm 41, verses 10 through 13. We're going to start Proverbs 8, verses 1 through 4. We'll probably not talk about chapter 8 until we get through all of that. And then we're going to finish Luke chapter 3, you know, starting at verse 23. And then we're going to go through chapter 4, verse 13. And I'll talk about the baptism in Jesus in, in the next episode, um, even though we did read it in this this chap or in this daily reading. So um, I'm going to end in a prayer. Uh, I just want to say thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are, God, and that Lord, we just thank you for your love and your devotion to us, Lord God. That Lord, I just pray in our hearts that Lord that no condemnation of the enemy would come upon us. That would distort how we see you or how we feel you see, see us, Lord. That we would look to your word and just see that the love and the devotion you have for us, Lord God. Lord, I just pray that your word would just begin to form in our hearts and just pour out in our hearts as we love upon you. Lord, I just pray for everyone listening to this podcast, Lord that they would be changed to be become more like you, God. And I just pray that you would just begin to work in our lives, work in our spouse's lives. Uh, for those who are single, Lord, I just pray that, you know, whoever you have for them, Lord, that you would just work in their lives to prepare them for this union, Lord God. I just pray, God, that you just begin to move mightily. And that people's hearts we begin to change, Lord. And even in this time, those who have struggled with their salvation, God, I just pray for, for revival, Lord. That Lord, as their heart, their hearts turn to you, that there would just be times of refreshing and infilling of your Holy Spirit in them, Lord. For those whose hearts have grown cold towards you, Lord God, that they're tired, they're burnt out, Lord. I just pray. That you would just help them to, to be still and to remember the first love that they have, which is you. Remind them why they, why they love you, Lord God. And that, Lord, I just pray you know, for times 
of refreshment to come. Your Holy Spirit just to come and bring revival into our hearts. And we just thank you for all that you're doing and continue to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day, you guys.